are such things as stations in life, Your Royal Highness? Such is my intimate knowledge of the Southern and Kent Railway Network uh, that I can tell you he should have stopped at Bromley. I had a man waiting there, Cambridge said, clearly proud of himself. After all, he had had a horse shot from under him at Inkerman. He was not an income poop. Sent ahead a telegram. And? Cow on the line at Pengeast. He must have got off there. What was he wearing? Undress R.A., Cambridge told him. If my encyclopedic knowledge of the British Army serves me aright, that's a natty little blue number, narrow red stripes on the trousers, fetching little pillbox, and Austrian knots to the cuffs. That's the ticket. Not exactly everyday wear at Penge East, I wouldn't have thought. Mr Disraeli, the Duke of Cambridge leaned forward as far as his girth and gilt decorations would allow. We must assume that His Highness the Prince Imperial had been planning this little disappearance for a while, had it orchestrated to a tea, honed to a whisker. It's my belief he'd bribed an employee of the Southern and Kent Railway Company to have a civilian suit stashed aboard at Victoria. As I believe one of your predecessors is reputed to have said, every man has his price. Let's leave Lord Derby out of this equation, shall we? Disraeli snapped. You don't have to live with his choice of wallpaper in the bathroom. Quite gives Lady B the staggers, I can tell you. I just felt you ought to know, that's all, Cambridge shrugged. Disraeli rolled upright on the ottoman, as sprightly as a man can be at seventy-five, with more than his fair share of gout. And I feel you ought to know, Your Royal Highness, that I disapproved from the start of the prince being here in the first place. I know his dad was a special constable in Chartist days, and I know he had a house in Leamington, but good God, the man is a poseur, a charlatan. You only have to look at the way he waxes his moustache. The Prime Minister struggled to his feet and staggered around the study with the aid of various pieces of furniture. It was, or was it not, the machinations of the little abortion's ghastly mother that got him a commission? Uh, only my cousin can grant commissions, Lord Beaconsfield, Cambridge said. You know that. Disraeli spun on his good leg, his dark eyes smouldering, his rococo curl flashing in the morning lamplight. It was Eugenie was responsible, he said, mindful of and a rather pompous flunky entered. That bastard Gladstone was here, sir. Not now, Thatcher. Tell him I'm busy. Affairs of state. When am I free next? The pompous flunky consulted a pocket diary. May 1884, sir, he said. Five years. Disraeli's grasp of mental arithmetic was legendary. Yes, that should do it. The study door crashed back, and a seventy-year-old politician stood there. Top hat firmly on his head, collar awry around his scrawny Chelonian neck. Gladdy! Disraeli extended a hand. My dear fellow, why wasn't I told you were here? Thatcher! He caught the flunky and nasty one around the side of his head with his cane. You're fired! Very good, sir. And the flunky exited. Dizzy, my dear fellow, brother in Christ! And Gladstone shook the Prime Minister's hand warmly. Uh, you know the Duke of Cambridge? Disraeli motioned the leader of the opposition to a seat. Of course. Gladstone shook the man's hand with the sinews of a keen axeman. Uh, can I apologise in advance for the cuts? The cuts? Cambridge rattled his sabre. Uh, that I intend to make in the army next year. There was silence. You know, Gladstone explained in his melodious lowland Scots accent, after the election, when I, when I move in here, I hope you haven't changed that lovely wallpaper in the bathroom, Dizzy. Mrs. G does so adore it. What is it, Gladdy?
Disraeli flipped open his checkbook. An object of virtue few living men have ever seen.